You're closer to that. Can you turn that uh, turn turn that top left knob just a it's just a smidgen to the right. This one. Yep, it's the smidgen. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Did yeah. a smidgen. Yep, just a smidgen. I didn't move it much. Did I move it a lot? No, I was just testing. Oh, I was okay. making noises. You said hey, hey and whoa, I was whoa, just whoa, like, whoa. I'm sorry. No, that's how I. That's how I. Hey, <laughs> I hold up there. That's the word I say to test my Hey. Hey. You're gonna go back to uh, that that children's Broadway thing and just be like, hey. Hey. One <laughs> two one two. Hey. Oh, this is Child Wizard of Oz. Hey. Um, it's confusing. Everybody's ten. Welcome to the 31st, holy cow, 31. Are you surprised we made it to 31, Zachary? Because I don't really appreciate that tone. Each new episode, I'm surprised. Seriously? Welcome to episode 31 of Beer and Fear. My name is Zach. My name is Paige. Uh, and something's happening over here. You right there? Yep. Okay. Uh, this episode is about... The Bermuda Triangle. And I don't remember the last time I um, rushed last minute to get any sort of assignment done as I did this mm. episode. Mm-hmm. That's true. I did walk <clears throat> into the door to him finishing his work. And it was not even done. And it's not even done. No, I was supposed to get uh, a lot more research done. And uh, the story section was supposed to be this huge thing. I was going to do a lot of research with. and blah. But... Uh, I didn't get any of it done, so I'm just going to read straight from a, a website, and uh, it's fine. Don't put that in there. Don't let them know that you didn't do research. No, I got to be. I got to be straightforward and honest with these people. So, I can't can't put up any sort of facade. You mean fakeade or a fakeade? <laughs> <laughs> need to be need to be honest. Um, do you have anything to talk about? Anything to um, catch us up on this past week or two? Whatever. That's been two, right? Whatever it was. Well, we did meet last week to record something. To record something. Um, None of your business. But we, yeah, we released a bonus episode yesterday. So I guess, I guess, two weeks, week, two weeks. Uh, it had, uh, your birthday has since passed. You are another year older, twenty six. <laughs> oh, that's gonna harmonize. <laughs> um. I got some pretty sick birthday gifts, and I got to spend my birthday with some pretty sick people, and I was very happy. Nice. Not sick as in, like, COVID sick, as in, like, sick, like, sick. Sick. These are some cool people. Okay. Excellent. So it was very nice, and I got delicious food. Jealous. Why? You were there for one of them. Uh, well, the other one I wasn't. I didn't get anything I crafted. No, the, uh, well, the... Honey jam? Yeah, the breakfast and then, yeah, honey jam crafted combo there. It was fun. I My bet. sister spoiled me. And then your uh, your job, right? I thought I mentioned my new job already. Yeah, I don't know if you didn't want to talk about any more of it. Oh, I don't like people, I don't like sharing. Like Oh, yeah, I sure, work. no. I mean, I... I don't like the idea of, like, sharing where I work, but I have my new job and I like it a lot so far. It's just got a lot of free time, so I'm just kind of, like, twiddling my thumbs. Yeah. 
just mm-hmm. woo, nothing's going on. All right. Nothing mm-hmm. exciting, at least. Oh, did you like the? Um, I don't even know what I was doing. I don't use Instagram. Uh-huh. I have an Instagram, but I don't use it, so I don't really know how to do things. But um, I looked up, like, I typed in on the Google's, the Google's. Uh, Instagram, like, video, like, how to make, how like how to add audio to a video, like, music to a video. And then it was, like, Instagram Reels and all this stuff. And then, uh, are you impressed by that? Yes, I'm very impressed by that. I watched it. Yeah, we celebrated 30 episodes. Oh, God. We celebrated 30 episodes, and um, we have all of our beers right above us, and it's it was nice. It is nice. It was nice to celebrate 30, so I'm excited for more. Um, so that's on Instagram. I'll put another cat picture up there. Let's see your birthday. It's almost Easter. Do you have any Easter plans? I'm getting, I'm going to do Easter dinner with my family, but you know, like small mm-hmm. amount of family. I am working and, uh, don't know if I'll be able to see anyone this year. It's fine. Do you want me to come to your work dressed up as a Easter bunny? Sure. Bring me chocolate. Yeah. Get oh, your basket. uh, today is April Fool's day. Yeah. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I, um, last night I set up a thing where, so every, at 12 o'clock every day, 12 p.m. and uh, midnight every day, every 12 hours, twice a day, we have this little notification that goes off, and it reminds us to um, flip some things around in our computer. Uh, we do it every day at 12 and every day at midnight, and it plays a song. Oh. It plays Turn the Beat Around. Okay. Turn the Beat I know the song. Around. Yeah, by whoever sings it. Uh, so we hear uh, the first two to seven seconds of that song mm-hmm. pretty much every day um it, it's a little annoying but it's just a reminder and it, it's a thing so i actually rigged it to play uh some screamo death metal instead of that song um and just like insane guitar and drums and everything like that uh twice today <laughs> once once at midnight on april uh, april 1st and then once again at noon uh, no one has said anything to me, so I wasn't at work to witness it. Um, no one said a thing. So I hope, I don't know, I wonder if it even worked. I hope it worked. I hope it worked. that's funny. Yeah. Did Scott work today? Uh, no, he was off today. So, yeah, I, um. Now you gotta wait to find out. Told him about it, yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't do anything else for April Fool's Day. I didn't do anything for April Fool's. I was looking on Reddit to see what, uh, what kind of shenanigans were going on there, but. I like April Fool's Day. I should have done something for April Fool's. Yeah. Bummer. Oh, well. You got next year. Yeah, that's true. It comes every year. All right. Uh, Let's get in the episode. Yeah, Um, bitch. This week, I I did another one of those things where I drove all the way to uh, a single Benny's that's, like, far away from me. Yeah. Because it was the only one that had this beer. Because you're a silly Billy. Yep. But, uh... I'm interested to try it. It's a new brewery. Mm-hmm. It's called Shapes and Lines. Oh, interesting. By Transient Artist Nails. Because mm. a triangle is a shape. You're right. I won't fault you on that. I like that connection. <clears throat> I support you. A triangle also has lines. So. It does have lines. It's got three of them. Uh, so there's hardly any info about this beer or the brewery online. 
Uh, the brewery possibly opened Transient Artisan. By the way, this is not Transient Brewing Co. This is not Transient the beer company. This is Transient Artisan Ales. Oh. These guys are the real deal. Fancy, schmancy. But there's nothing on online about them. Um, they possibly opened around 2013, and I'm basing that off of their first Facebook profile photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just went back, and 2013 is the first one. They're at 4229 Lake Street in Bridgman, Michigan, 49106. I'm happy to be trying another beer that's out of state. Um... We can't we can't give Illinois beers all the attention, mm. but they are uh, obviously prolific around here, the state of Illinois, which, in which we live. So uh, I found out we actually uh, passed through Bridgman when we take our trip up to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ninety four goes north, and Bridgman's a really small town, uh, only has a population of about two thousand two hundred ninety one as That's of twenty ten. Very tiny, very small, and uh, here it is on a map. What a tiny little town. Um, they, they don't have a whole lot. Uh, I don't drive through the actual town. I'm trying to get satellite view. I don't drive through the actual town. Uh, I, I take 94, so it's kind of like on the outskirts, but, um, there's Transient right there. Mm-hmm. Um, they have another brewing company called Tapestry. Interesting. Um, there's a bank. There's a subway. Oh, there's a place called Scoops Ice Cream. Thank God there's a Scoops ice cream. Lydia's down-home cooking. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten anything. Yeah, I'm hungry too. Uh, very tiny town in Michigan. From their Facebook about page, Midwestern brewer of modern farmhouse ales focusing on traditional methods and oak fermentation to produce a product that is a representation of the area. That's it. That's all the info about the brewery that I was able to find. Their Facebook and Instagram is at Transient Artisan Ales. Their Twitter is at Transient Ales. And their website is www.transientartisanales.com. When was the last time they posted anything? Uh, pretty recently. Okay. Yeah. They're they're still making beer. They're pretty active. Uh, but their website's super simple. Um, it has a picture of what I imagine to be the inside of their brewery. I'm looking. Yeah. It might look different on mobile, but there's only three links. It's to go in curbside, on tap, and location in hours. Uh, so if you look at their on tap menu, they have eight beers currently on tap, and they're doing in-house can pours of Shapes and Lines, this beer, mm. which would make sense why this beer isn't for sale anymore on their website. If you go to their to-go in curbside, you can't buy it. So I imagine that like they have a bunch of leftover cans of Shapes and Lines. They're doing in-house pours of this beer to try and get rid of it and make room for new beers that are coming out. Dude, one of them's called Mitch's Be Trippin'. Mitch's Be Trippin', yeah. Uh, the Binnies, like I said, Evergreen Park was the only store that still had it in stock. So it looks like they're phasing it out, like I said, for other newer beers. That makes sense. There's no real description of this beer on their website either. All it says is a DDH IPA. So Yeah, there ain't shit on this. Nope. Uh, I did find the post uh, that they uh, that they made on their Facebook when they released this beer, which is actually in February. This is relatively new, a couple hmm. months old. It says, also introducing a new IPA, Shapes and Lines. As always, dry hopped to the rafters, this time with Nelson Sauvin and Idaho 7. It's delightful. That's all. Just a real treat. Hmm. So that's what Transient had to say about Shapes and Lines on their Facebook. We've had double dry hopped IPAs before. Uh, Sailor's Kush by Half Acre and Deep Thoughts by Old Irving. Which both of those we liked. Both really enjoyed. 
and I went into what exactly a double dry hopped IPA is because we mentioned it in a previous episode. We didn't really, I don't really know. Um, so this is from beerconnoisseur.com. Typically, hops are added to the brew cycle at specific times during the boil to extract desired levels of bitterness with the goal to balance the sweetness of the malt. In brewing math, keep adding more malts and more hops until you get to the desired IBU levels to match the style guide you're using or the preferred taste you're planning to cater to. If a brewer wants to go bigger and create a double or triple IPA, they double or triple their malt and hops from the base recipe. Dry hopping, on the other hand, has its uh, is its own technique altogether, but that doesn't mean sometimes they can't go hand in hand. Uh, and then vinepair.com talks a little bit about the technique. A dry hopped beer is simple enough to define. Hops are added to the beer in process post-boil or on the, quote, cold side when the liquid is in its primary or secondary fermentation phase. This allows the hops to impart all their wonderful aromas without leaving behind the bitterness you get when you boil them. Doubling that process can mean one of two things. It essentially means dry hopping twice or hopping with twice as much hops. Using twice the the amount of ingredients or just doing the process with the normal amount of ingredients two times. Gotcha. Uh, And that's a quote by Scott Ungerman. He's the brewmaster at Anchor Brewing in San Francisco, which is the brewery that boasts being the first to regularly employ the dry hopping method in America circa the mid-1970s. So this brewery, Anchor Brewing, kind of kick-started the whole... IPA brew, uh, you know, beer revival uh, renaissance, um, and kind of brought uh, brewing and IPAs uh, into the limelight and kind of blew up this whole uh, renaissance of beer. Uh, the hops that this uh, beer is brewed with, according to their Facebook, Nelson Sauvin. I think these are both both of these are pretty new. I don't think we've had these before. Nelson Sauvin hops impart a grape-like flavor to beers Ooh. defined as a cool climate white wine grape flavors. Other descriptors include extreme fruit fruitiness, passion fruit, and fresh crushed gooseberries. I don't know what a gooseberry tastes like. I don't even know that was a real fruit. Um, you know what? My vape juice used to have gooseberry in it. Ooh. Was so it good? I've got an idea and I really like it. Nice. And then Idaho 7, this hop is ripe with a zesty tangerine flavor that is reminiscent of marmalade. Its uniqueness shows up as a pleasant herbal character that melds with the citrus to come across like fine Earl Grey tea. There's really no no further description on the beer or on the brewery uh, that I could find online. Based off of the hops, I'm imagining a wine that tastes like tea. <laughs> and I'm just like... <laughs> but it's a beer. <laughs> uh... I think it'll be, uh, it'll have the classic double dry hoppy bitterness, like, you know, grassy flavors, um, just, uh, you know, piney. Uh, it'll, it should taste similar to some of the other DDH IPAs. I don't know, but I'm so hungry. I'm ready for it. Excellent. Uh, this is 6.3% ABV. I'm going to chug it. Not that bad. Unknown IV or SRM. Oh, okay. No score on Beer Advocate. Was there anything on Untapped? Uh, there is stuff on Untapped. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't go into it, but it's um like again, it's a pretty recent beer. It's got two ratings on Beer Advocate. No comments, no uh, reviews, just ratings. It's got an average rating of 3.89 out of 5. Let's give it a shot. Lay it on me. Oh, also, I forgot. Um I like their cans. I walked into this Binnie's and I they have a whole transient section too, and their cans are um if you look on their website, look at the uh, ordering page, they have really cool designs where it's just like a bunch of patterns. Most of them are just like, I don't know how to describe it. Like they, 
they have patterns. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine by saying that <laughs> they have patterns. They're just different patterns. See? Yes, they're very pleasing. They're, they're very aesthetically they're pleasing. Pretty. Look at all those cubes. <laughs> Look at all those cubes. That is my next T-shirt Look idea. Look at all those cubes. T-shirt idea. Um, yeah, they're just cool, cool designs on their cans. I'll grab the beer. All right, this is an interesting can. Yeah, isn't the uh, the art cool? Again, designs. It's so patterns. strange that only half the can is covered. Oh yeah, well they probably save money on labels that way. That's right. The other half is. Just Looks like just a silver can. It's just a tin can. Um, okay. DDH Indie Pale Ale, 6.3%. Bridgman, Michigan. How funny would it be if they took the time to say what it paired with, but no description <laughs> whatsoever. Yep. That's, pairs that's with it. a nice balsamic vinegar salad. <laughs> uh, no description, though. A bunch of lines and circles. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can smell it from here. It smells pretty good. Tastes like a IPA. Smells like an IPA. Hoppy IPA. Did you taste it? Uh, in the process, working on that now. Oh boy! Oh boy! You just made me nervous. This one's foamy. I poured pretty heavy to get the sound. I hope you listeners enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> Sacrifice the integrity. That's of my a beer. lot of foam. Yeah, it's very foamy. Boy, it is so thick. Jeez Louise. It looks like a hazy IPA. It does. You can't really see through it. Boy, she thick, boy. Damn, boy. I mean, looks looks like, smells like other IPAs we've had before. I just I need to remove the gum from my mouth. I just want to sip it. Can we sip it already? I'm trying to get a smell on it. What do you smell? It smells like grass. It smells like oregano. Oh, yeah, spices. Herbs. Now I want KFC. It smells pleasant. I don't know how I feel about the smell. Oh, I need a picture. I'm not that big on the smell, to be honest. I like, I don't know, I like the smell of IPAs. It's somewhat comforting. I like the smell of some IPAs, too. I'm just saying I'm not enjoying this one. Hmm. It's very lumpy. (laughs) Lumpy? (laughs) The foam. Once it starts to dissipate, it becomes very, very lumpy. It's like foam from a cappuccino. It even feels very thick. Yep. Thick, lingering foam on this one. Thick head. I stuck my finger in my drink for you. You did. My hands are clean. Almost smells like really good weed, you know? <laughs> That's some interesting Not weed. that I would know what that smells like. Coworkers. Kind of looks like we're drinking um, cappuccinos <laughs> with how thick this foam is. I cannot get over it. it sm- smells like really dank weed. Fellow youths. Hmm. It's interesting. I feel like I'm drinking bubbly pickle juice. Bubbly pickle juice. This is what this is what liquefied weed tastes like. <laughs> you were not far off, man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's very um herb and uh you know grass and farmy. I don't like it. You're not a fan, huh? Nope. Maybe it's not cold enough. But it's also, um, yeah, I mean, it could have spent a little, maybe a little more time in the fridge. Um, I really wanted to drink beer. I think it's a decent time. I, I, I still have confidence in you that you you will be able to drink that. Um, what was I going to say? 
It's not that good, I'm going to be honest. I don't think it's that bad. It doesn't have the, um, the like, astringent bitterness of uh, a couple other IPAs that I think we've had before, um, where it kind of... You know, no, it makes it's you do not, that. It's not a bitter IPA in any way. It's, I feel like it's smoother. It is. I agree. It's very easy to swallow. I just don't like the flavor. Like, it's not a complaint on IPAs, in my opinion. It's just like, I I don't know. I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, meh. Like, I don't even want to drink this. Like, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. See, I remember when, way before we started this so podcast, um, I remember you saying you're not, you weren't a fan of IPAs, and I think it was because you had something similar to this, where you based your judgment on IPAs off of something that you didn't really care for, and then we started to have uh, different IPAs, and you tried new things, and uh, you realized that not all IPAs are created equal, and there are a lot of IPAs out there that um, you do enjoy. A lot of IPAs we've tasted that you do enjoy. Yeah, I've picked a lot of IPAs. Right, but I think this one is a little... It might be similar to, you know, your original perspective on what an IPA is. It's just... Interesting burp, though, because it tastes like fruit in the burp. Oh, yeah. Weird, right? It is a fruity burp. Which... I don't know. It's pleasant. I don't think it's... I don't think think it's that bad. It's pleasant season... Season three... Catchphrase. It's pleasant. It's pleasant. <clears throat> Season one is it's good. I think it's pleasant is slightly below it's good. Yeah. Um, based on it's tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to bring myself to drink it. Like it's just kind of like that's well, it's disappointing. But I, I think you can. I have confidence. In stop you. trying to convince me to drink this beer. <laughs> Why don't you drink this beer? This is the one beer that you've actually been like drinking. Does it hurt your feelings when I don't like these? Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's delicious. Yeah. I went out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, teach their own. It's not. It's definitely not my favorite. Um, I don't really know uh, how to really describe this though. That one hop said like grape. I don't get a grape. Like white wine grape. I guess maybe. I just don't think it's very interesting. It it's bitter, but it's not overwhelming. Um, it is fruity on the finish and in the burp, like Paige said. You're fruity on the finish. I don't. I could not tell you what kind of fruits I'm tasting. It just tastes like it's to me. This is like a real standard double dry hopped IPA. Ugh, I can't. But it's not bad. I don't know. I need to. Wow, jeez. I don't dislike it. Okay, like, I can drink more of it. Remember my reaction to freaking... Sequench? Yes. I don't even remember the name of it. That's how scarring it was. <laughs> you usually... Uh, you're a fan of sour ales. You just, you just didn't like that one. You'd be correct, sir. I saw something on Instagram about Sequench. Dogfish is talking about it. I'm trying to promote it. It's, what a cute cat. I want to I get more of that. Somebody Snapchatted me. Ooh, hot dudes. There were so many good uh, beers at the Spinney's that I was checking out, too. I was tempted to take another thing home, but... Wait, you were tempted to take what home? Like another four-pack of beer for like a bonus episode or something, but... 
I told myself I was going to try to limit my my beer intake, which now I don't know what I'm going to do with all the extra beer that we we keep from these episodes. Uh, I'm putting this at a five. It's our first beer. Eight. Oh, boy. All right. One beer down. Shapes and Lines by Transient Artisanals. I feel like I would like it if I had a little bit different of a palate. Like, because I like a little bit sweeter. Yeah, yeah. and and I, I kind of feel you. I mean, some of our, I think the other double dry hopped IPAs that we had were on the sweeter, maybe more sugary, sugary or fruit forward side. I just don't like the spices like that, you know? Yeah. Like in my beer, at least. It's just kind of like me. I see where you're coming from. Definitely. Um, I don't think it's a, it's definitely not a bad beer. And I, I would order another one. I think it would go great with food. It's just I we've had a lot of other IPAs that are that top this. I agree. All right. After that, tell us disappointing incident. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to segue. Let's just yes, <laughs> we're gonna get into the Bermuda Triangle now, baby. All right. The Bermuda Triangle, also known as Devil's Triangle. I saw that. Interesting, right? Hmm is a loosely defined region in the western part of the North Atlantic Ocean where a number of aircraft and ships are said to have disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Did you like that? That was for you. Most reputable sources will dismiss the idea that there's any mystery, though. Right. Fuck reputable sources. They'll always come up with some kind of other excuse. Yeah, not like there's a spooky time warp tunnel going on there yeah i didn't realize it was that close to the united states i don't know why i didn't realize that but it's it's, like right by florida yeah it's literally it looks like it's right off the coast of miami Mm -hmm. which is very very close Mm -hmm. the vicinity of the Bermuda triangle is amongst the most heavily traveled shipping lanes in the world with ships frequently crossing through it for ports in the americas europe and the caribbean islands Cruise ships and pleasure craft regularly sail through the region, and commercial and private aircraft routinely fly over it. Pleasure craft. Oh. <laughs> pleasure craft. Had that feel in your ears. Great. Ugh. Excellent. The earliest suggestion of unusual disappearances in the Bermuda area appeared in a September 17, 1950 article published in the Miami Herald by Edward Van Winkle Jones. Winkle? Jones. What Van Winkle Jones to you, sir? Van Winkle. What a no. What a what a name. Edward Von Winkle. Jones. <laughs> Jones. Jones. Two years later, Fate magazine published "Sea Mystery at Our Back Door." Interesting. Hmm. A short article by George Sand covering the loss of several planes and ships, including the loss of Flight 19, a group of five U.S. Nazi Nazi Navy. <laughs> Where did I get? Those damn U.S. Nazis. <laughs> Those damn U.S. Nazis. <laughs> Those damn Sinking U.S. Ships. Nazis. Uh, a group of five U.S. Navy gunmen, uh, TBM Avenger torpedo bombers on a training mission. Oh. Interesting. Sand's article was the first to lay out the now familiar triangle, triangular area where the losses took place, as well as the first to suggest a supernatural element to the Flight 19 incident. Hmm. Flight 19 alone would be covered again in the April 1962 issue of American Legion magazine. In it, Arthur W. <laughs> Arthur. 
my brain to function. This is what happens when I have no food. Words are hard. Words are hard. Thank mm-hmm. you for understanding. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a good co-host. <laughs> Author Alan W. Eckert wrote that the flight leader had been heard saying, we are entering white water, nothing seems right. We don't know where we are. The water is green, no white. He also wrote that officials at the Navy Board of Inquiry stated that the planes flew off to Mars. Whoa. We're at Mars, baby. Oh, now I want a chocolate bar. There's a Tobler on the I got a, sn- right I got a couple Snickers over there. Get your Snickers on. In February 1964, Vincent Gaddis wrote an article called The Deadly Bermuda Triangle in the pulp magazine Argosy, saying Flight 19 and other disappearances were part of a pattern of strange events in the region. The next year, Gaddis expanded this article into a book, Invisible Horizons. Hmm. Which, very dramatic title. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gaddis Argosy article, I don't know, delineates? Delin- delineates? Yeah, delineated. 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 The fuck bound- that word, man. Yeah, oh my God. The boundaries of the triangle giving its vertices as Miami, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and Bermuda. Yep. Subsequent writers did not necessarily follow this definition. Some writers gave different boundaries and vertices to the triangle, with the total area varying from 500,000 to 1,510,000 square miles. Some writers have even stretched it as far as the Irish coast. Oh, wow. Do you think I should go into the criticism of it or no? I'll see why not. I think it's kind of boring. Oh. Do you have a lot to talk about? Um, it's a... I'm going to probably just read read this verbatim. Okay, but do you think it'll take you a while? Yes. Okay. I mean, include, yeah, include whatever you want to talk about. Uh, I'm going to skip the criticism then and then just go into something else. Okay. All you fucking, fuck you critics. No one cares. (laughs) It's real. It's real. It's for realsies. Don't even joke. So there's a number of uh, hypothetical explanations regarding the Bermuda Triangle. Aliens. That's it. That's the only one. That was the one. You <laughs> caught my bluff. There's only one. Uh, paranormal explanations. Uh, triangle writers have used a number of supernatural concepts to explain the events. One explanation pins the blame on leftover technology from the mythical lost continent of Atlantis. Oh. Sometimes connected to the Atlantis story is the submerged rock formation known as the Bimini Bimini, yeah, Bimini Road off the island of Bimini hmm. in the Bahamas, which is in the triangle by some definitions. Mm-hmm. Followers of the purported psychic Edgar Casey takes his prediction that evidence of Atlantis would be found in 1968 as referring to the discovery of the Bimini Road. We should cover Atlantis. I know it's really not like a fear, but that's it's interesting stuff. I mean... Is it real? I don't really believe in it. No? We haven't, like, discovered it, right? No. Which one of us is smoking weed? (laughs) Because I'm concerned right now. I'm just an idiot. That's that's what that is. No, don't worry. I've been asked dumber questions in my life. Uh, Edgar Cayce takes his prediction that the uh, evidence of Atlantis will be found in 1968. Um, discovery of Bimini Road. Believers describe the formation as a road, wall, or other structure, but the Bimini Road is of natural origin. Hmm. Other writers attribute the events to UFOs. Yep. Charles Berlitz, author of various books on anomalous phenomena, 
lists several theories attributing the losses in the triangle triangle to anomalous or unexplained forces. Makes sense. There's natural explanations. Compass problems are one of the cited phrases in many triangle incidents. While some have theorized that unusual local magnetic anomalies may exist in the area, such anomalies have not been found. Compasses have natural magnetic variations in relation to the magnetic poles, a fact which navigators have known for centuries. Hmm. From there, it's just um, human error as far as like losing uh, ships. What is, is that a that's a motorcycle. Car or a motorcycle. I'm pretty, well, actually, I think that's a car. It's an annoying asshole neighbor is what it is. Yeah, it is. Um, human errors, so people crashing, people not operating the vehicle, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Movement apparatus. <laughs> uh, correctly. Uh, violent weather, hurricanes, um, powerful storms. That's what a lot of the... Um, the uh... People who debate the mysterious or um, otherworldly phenomena of the triangle will often argue mm-hmm. is it's, you know, natural explanations like a tsunami or a very bad thunderstorm. Yeah. I don't know. Um, another explanation for some of the disappearances has focused on the presence of large fields of methane hydrates, which is a form of natural gas on the continental shelves. Laboratory experiments carried out in Australia have proven that bubbles can indeed sink a scale model ship by decreasing the density of the water. Okay. Any wreckage consequently rising to the surface would be rapidly dispersed by the Gulf Stream. It has been hypothesized that periodic periodic methane eruptions, sometimes called mud volcanoes, may produce regions of frothy water that are no longer capable of providing adequate buoyancy for ships. Okay. And then because of the Gulf Stream, there's no, like, evidence left behind of it. Because the Gulf Stream just going to fucking scatter Sweeps everything. Yep. Spooky, spooky. That's it for me, except for one other part. There's two reviews on Google of the Bermuda Triangle. Like on Google Maps? Yes. What? It has a two, it has a, a two five-star rating. Two out of five? No, it's just five. Oh, it's got two? two people that gave it a five. Oh, yeah. Look at, look at that. Give it a five. <laughs> there are questions on here that I would like to read and answer. Mm-hmm. Can the Bermuda Triangle be a tunnel of space-time? Here are some answers. It could. Then again, there could also be a tunnel to Area 51 down there. Okay. Scientifically, this is not proven. <laughs> oh, this one's not even a question. The Bermuda Triangle Island, there is a blue hole, which is a whirlpool, and under them has a city under it. One response says, yes. Yes. <laughs> what can the Bermuda Triangle do? <laughs> <laughs> they spelled it like angel? Yeah. <laughs> what can it do? It can increase your probability of being lost or dead through error sea mishaps. Uh-oh. Oh, sneakers. If all the ships and airplanes get disappear in the Bermuda Triangle, why don't we throw all the trash and plastic there and save the planet? Give this guy a medal, okay? <laughs> Give this guy an award. Holy cow. Why aren't we doing that? What happened if you drop a nuke? We should not do it. Let's make the world in peace. Is there a death in the Bermuda Triangle? 
<laughs> this is, this is turned into a Luigi board episode. <laughs> uh, wow, this is uh, this is great. I didn't even. Thanks for showing me this. this yeah, I didn't even know about this. When I swim here, what can Bermuda Triangle do? Answer: Yes. Is Bermuda Triangle is a gate to future? Yes. The ones who have entered it has not come back to tell. What happens if hit by the Bermuda Triangle? You can file for domestic abuse. <laughs> what if you're hit by it? That's never okay. Don't let your triangles hit you, people. Is there found additional methane? Good question. I gotta and, say the... <laughs> and formed in such a perfect sentence. <laughs> I gotta say the ozone layer's depletion probably has something to do with it. This one just says, can we be friends? No. Who <laughs> That's are what they you? said. They said no. <laughs> Get out of here. That's, that's pretty great. They're pretty funny, right? I love that. They're pretty funny, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my god, yours was so good. <laughs> right? All right. Like I said, I didn't uh, do any sort of preparation or research. I had I had ample Lie opportunities to, them. to do this. I had ample opportunities to do this at work the last two days while I was working. Um, but I was like, I don't feel like it. So there's this article. I'm going to cite it. It's by marineinsight.com. Marineinsight.com. I am literally just going to read this verbatim. It's called Five Famous Mysteries. Sorry, if I can read. Five Famous Mysterious Stories of the Bermuda Triangle. Lay it on me. Now, before I get into the article, I... What I was planning on doing, uh, I was looking through the Wikipedia page. There's a section down here that uh, says notable incidents. It talks about USS Cyclops, Cyclops Carol A. Deering, Flight 19, which she talked about, uh, Douglas DC-3, a um, bunch of notable things. And then there's a uh, actually a whole Wikipedia article that says list of Bermuda Triangle incidents. So it's uh, mm -hmm. it shows everything here that uh, is worthwhile talking about. Uh, and it's it's separated into aircraft incidents, incidents at sea, and then this bottom one is incidents on land. Uh, this incidents on land section only has one incident. It occurred oh, in 19, really? 1969. It's the Great Isaac Lighthouse that's on uh, Bimini, Bahamas. Two keepers disappeared and were never found. Ooh, in parentheses, I'm... it says a hurricane passed through at the time of the disappearance. So it's saying that they probably died because of this hurricane. However... There is some um, evidence here. This is the lighthouse as it appears in 2017. Very run down. Yeah. Not a lot of stuff there. Um, I was starting to do a lot of research into this lighthouse because I wanted to make my whole section about it. But there really wasn't a whole lot of uh, information about a uh, full story online. Um, but I'll sum it up real quick because I still think it's interesting. So on August 4th, 1969, the station was discovered to have been abandoned by its two keepers. Who were never found. Many believers in the Bermuda Triangle claim that the keepers were two more victims lost to its mysterious forces. However, the hurricane record from 1969 indicates that Hurricane Anna, the first hurricane of 69 on uh, August 1 through 2nd, passed close enough to Great Isaac Island to cause dangerous weather for the tiny rock island. By the 4th of August, the hurricane was well into the Atlantic Ocean. So... The grounds are open to the public. You can look at YouTube videos online and see people explore this lighthouse. Though the lighthouse itself has 
had its stairs removed to block access to the interior. Okay. Uh, I was watching a video. Someone, someone erected a uh, very uh, flimsy makeshift ladder, and then <laughs> there's a rope that you have to grab on and hoist yourself up on this rope to get up oh, into the God. lighthouse. Fuck that. And then it's just uh, floors of different staircases, and you can actually get in and, and explore it. So. It's a very popular destination for boaters and people who like to explore abandoned things. Hmm. It's still standing. Um, but I thought that was pretty I thought that was pretty cool. I'm gonna read this article. Yeah, lay it on me. So some of this uh, already talks about things you covered. Bermuda Triangle, also known as the Devil's Triangle, happens to be one of the most mysterious places on this planet. Located off the southeastern coast of the U.S. and the Atlantic Ocean between Bermuda, Florida, and Puerto Rico, the region has become the center of unresolved mysteries. Covering an area of 440,000 miles of sea, Bermuda Triangle is part of a busy shipping route in the world, with a number of vessels heading to America, Europe, and the Caribbean crossing through every day. It is more due to the inexplicable outcomes that make it a highly studied and yet enigmatic component of the Earth's surface. Over the centuries, a large number of ships and planes have been reported to have mysteriously disappeared in the region. Also, this Devil's Triangle has been blamed for the disappearance of thousands of people in the past decades. The term Bermuda Triangle was first used by Vincent Gaddis in 64 in his article published Er Argozy Magazine. Argozy Magazine. Did you talk about that? You talking about that? I did. All right. I said Argosy, not Argosy. Oh, whatever. Potato, tomato. The stories around the Bermuda Triangle begins in the time of Christopher Columbus when he reportedly saw a flame of fire crashing into the sea in the Triangle during his first voyage to the New World. Well, that's spooky. However, the mysterious behavior of the region came into the public attention only in the 20th century when the Navy cargo ship USS Cyclops, with more than 300 people on board, went missing in the Bermuda Triangle. I think that is the... um, that is the... Oh, let me look it up. It's the incident resulting in the single largest loss of life in the history of the U.S. Navy, not, not related to combat, uh, occurred on the U.S. So you're going to say not related to communists. <laughs> not related to communists at all. With more than 300 people on board, went missing in the Bermuda Triangle. The latest such incident in the region is the disappearance of a small twin-engine plane in May this year, and the year of the article is December 2020. Uh, the plane with four people on board suddenly disappeared from the radar when it was flying from Puerto Rico to Florida, and the debris appeared to be from the missing plane was found later. The recent incident that involved a ship was the sinking of a cargo vessel in the Bermuda Triangle during a deadly hurricane in October 2015. As the accident's office mysterious... Often mysteries continue to happen in the Bermuda Triangle region. Many have offered a number of explanations for the mystery behind them. The role of paranormal activities and the presence of aliens have been strongly suggested by those who believe something odd is happening. Okay. While many with scientific view disputed this argument, offering rational explanations to the phenomenon. Among the few scientific explanations... <laughs> A lot of this you already talked about. I'm just going to get into the cases. First one is Mary Celeste. Possibly one of the most mysterious stories of shipwrecks, this ship is a tale of its own. Despite being found adrift in some other location in the Atlantic Ocean, the connection to the Bermuda Triangle had been somehow... Oh, actually, this would be good to have some spooky music behind it, too. cue spooky music. So, well, let's get that started uh, now. Um... The connection to the Bermuda Triangle had been somehow invoked to find an answer to the mystery of its fate. Discovered on fourth, discovered on September 4th, 1872, with everything right and in the place except for the entire crew, 
The ship was found stranded on the sea days after it started its journey from New York to Genoa, Italy. There were seven crew members along with Captain Benjamin Briggs, his wife, and their two-year-old daughter aboard the vessel, which was loaded with raw alcohol. But days after, when a passing British ship called Di Gratia found Mary Celeste under partial sail in Atlantic off the Azores Islands, the ship was unmanned with no crew abroad, and the lifeboat was also missing. Ooh. It was also found that nine of the barrels in the cargo were empty, and there was a sword on the deck. No trace of the people aboard the vessel or the missing lifeboat has ever been found. Studies of the ship clearly ruled out the possibility of a pirate attack, since everything on the ship, including the barrels of alcohol it was transporting and the valuable belongings of the crew, were intact. Theories surrounding the mystery of the Mary Celeste also included the chances of a criminal conspiracy, alien abduction, and even an attack by a giant squid. Not a giant squid! The, the Kraken. Kraken! Yeah! The possibility of a natural disaster was also on the list. Many suggested the role of an undersea earthquake behind the accident, while few proposed an accidental foraying of the vessel in the Bermuda Triangle. However, as much as these speculations seem reasonable, they clearly don't fit. After all, why would a perfectly skilled crew on a good weather day, with their ship entirely uncompromised, abandon it and then never surface again? Um, mermaids. It was definitely mermaids. Have we covered sirens yet? I thought we did sirens. We did. The second case is about Ellen Austin. It is unnerving... It is an unnerving triangle mystery associated with the American white oak schooner, Ellen Austin. I don't know what a schooner is. Let me have my MacBook define this for me. It is a sailing ship with two or more masts. In 1881, the 210-feet-long Ellen Austin was on her way to New York from London when she stumbled upon a derelict near the Bermuda Triangle. Everything seemed fine with the identified schooner drifting just north of the Sar Sargasso Sea, but the missing crew. Captain Baker of the Ellen Austin asked to observe the derelict for two days in order to make sure it's not a trap. After two days with no response from the ship, the captain entered this abandoned vessel with his crew to find the well-packed shipment and no signs of the crew. In order to tow it back with Ellen Austin, the captain placed a prize crew on the ship set sail set to sail together. However, after two days of sail on calm waters, a squall separated path of the two ships, following which the derelict vanished. Days after the storm, according to the stories, Captain Baker's lookout could spot the vessel through his spyglass only to realize the vessel drifting far away aimlessly once again. After hours of effort, Ellen Austin could catch up to the vessel. But strangely, no one was on board. However, another version of the story suggests a second attempt by Baker to bring her back to land, but ended with the same fate before Ellen Austin before abandoning the cursed vessel. Other reports suggest that the derelict was once more spotted, but this time had a separate crew than the prize crew placed on it by Ellen Austin. The disappearance of the ship, her reappearance, and the absence of the prize crew is an intriguing story. It is more like a secret of Bermuda Triangle, one that has seemingly no chances of being unraveled anytime soon. Dun-dun-dun! Spooky music. You spill. I spilled. I'm noticing reading this verbatim, there are a lot of grammar inconsistencies. Yep. And my smart brain is trying to... And my sm my smart brain! <laughs> ...is trying to correct them on the fly, and it's not, not working so well. This one is about the USS Cyclops, which is one of the more notable cases. 
The disappearance of USS Cyclops, one of the Navy's biggest fuel ships, marks the largest loss of life in the history of the U.S. Navy in a single incident. In March 1918, this massive ship set out to sail from Brazil to Baltimore through the Bermuda region carrying uh, 10,800 tons of manganese ore with about 309 crew members on board. Setting off on a fairly good day, the first and the only message sent by this ship indicated no sort of troubles. However, the ship was never heard from again. An entire search of the area was put into action, but nothing was ever found. No remains of the ship or any crew members aboard have ever been found. The captain of USS Cyclops never sent a distress signal, and no one aboard responded to radio calls from other vessels in the vicinity. The naval investigators also failed to find a definite cause for its disappearance, though there were a number of theories suggesting various reasons. Due to its mysterious disappearance, Cyclops has been part of the list of more than 100 ships and planes to have vanished under strange circumstances in the Bermuda Triangle. This fourth incident is about Carol A. Deering which is a five-masted commercial schooner, it's pretty big, is one of the most written-about maritime mysteries of the 20th century due to the complete mystery around its abandonment. On January 31, 1921, Carol A. Deering was found hard aground on the treacherous rocks of Hatteras Diamond Shoals, North Carolina. Oh. There were speculations that the vessel was involved in a rum-running fucking pirates. However, fucking pirates. when the investigation team from Barbados reached the vessel after days of effort in the rough sea, what they found was a deserted ship with all crew members missing along with the crew's personal belongings, ship navigational equipment, logbooks, and life rafts, among others. Often known as, quote, ghost ship of the outer banks, the disappearance of Carol A. Deering, along with few other vessels during the same time period in the Bermuda Triangle area, has been valuable information on the mysterious waters, but nothing could bring anyone any closer to solving this mystery. Reports suggest that as many as nine vessels disappeared during this period from the same region, none of which was ever heard from again. That was spooky. And they were never heard from again. This last one is uh, about witchcraft. On December... Not let the phenomena witchcraft, but I think there's another ship called witchcraft. Why would you call that a phenomena? Um, the practice, maybe? Yeah. On December 22nd, 1967, a cabin cruiser named Witchcraft, that should be capitalized in the article, left from oh Miami within, with her captain, Dan Burrock, and his friend, Father Patrick Horgan. The two gentlemen's journey on the 23-foot luxury yacht was to enjoy the wonderful view of Miami's Christmas lights. However, after reaching just one mile from offshore, the Coast Guard received a call from the captain stating that his ship had hit something, but there was no substantial damage. Indicating help to be towed to the shore, the Coast Guard set off immediately, reaching witchcraft in in as many as 19 minutes alone, but to nothing. The area indicating the location of the ship was completely deserted, with no signs of any ship having been stranded or even present there previously. What's most... I don't know how you can tell if a ship was present present? somewhere previously. I'm not really sure about that. (laughs) I followed its trail that it left in the water. Yeah, that wasn't gone immediately after it left. What's most intriguing about this story is that this particular cruiser was virtually unsinkable, not to mention that numerous life-saving devices present aboard, including life jackets, lifeboats, flares, distress signals, devices, etc. None of them was used to... 
used and the ship was gone. The Coast Guard officials searched hundreds of square miles of ocean over the next few days, but were unsuccessful. Nothing of the ship has been found until this day. The ship is gone, and what remains is only the speculation that can be done now. So are the guys missing? Yeah. Okay. They weren't able to find anything in this patch of water that they requested assistance from. Interesting. Crazy stuff. Uh, This reminded me of a book called The Terror by author Dan Simmons. I picked this book up from a Barnes & Noble years ago. Uh Um, It was was a really good book. Uh, One of my favorite... um, It's based off of a true story about um, a ship that has to sail through the Northwest Passage, like Mm -hmm. Canada Islands, like very north towards the North Pole. Um, And it gets stranded in the ice, and then there's a beast on the ice that is out to get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool book. So it's based on true events, but it's also a fictional tale. They made a Netflix series about it. Is um, it based off of the... Um, oh, gosh. What was that famous Arctic expedition that got lost? Just ignore me. Go on with what you're saying. I'm going to try and look it up now. It was Franklin's Lost Expedition. Yeah, that... So, Franklin's Lost Expedition was a British voyage of Arctic exploration led by Captain Sir John Franklin that departed from England in 1845 aboard two ships, HMS Erebus and HMS Terror, um, which is why the book is called The Terror by Dan Simmons. Um, So, they were exploring the Northwest Passage in the Canadian Arctic. The expedition met with disaster after both ships and their crews. A total of 129 officers and men became... Icebound. Um, yeah, because it was cannibalism. And then they were abandoned, yes. Yeah, so people were eating people. So this is a very famous story of uh, this expedition through the Northwest Passage. And it, the, the Terror is a great book by Dan Simmons that recounts it. And the Netflix series, The Terror. I think the first season is about this expedition. The second season is something about a little, a little bit different. Uh, highly recommend the book. I haven't watched the Netflix series, but check it out anyway. It reminded me um, of how Bermuda Triangle reminded me of that. How cool I am. Of how cool Paige is. And how uh, how I want to be on a boat. It's random. Uh, sailing, you mm. know, uh, at some point. I think that'd be great mm. uh, throughout the Atlantic Sea, you know, going from one continent to another. But I'm going to avoid the Bermuda Triangle based on everything we talked about. What did you think of the beer? I didn't think it was that bad. Um, I thought it was a decent uh, double dry hopped IPA um, with, um, I mean, there's not a lot of, not not, not anything very special about it. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking, I'm finishing yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like it. Uh, surprise, surprise. Yeah. So I thought it was good. Um, I've had better it's ones, good. but it's it's good. I didn't like it. Not at all, huh? Not a fan. Hmm. I just, the minute I swallowed it, it was just like such a bitter, nasty taste. It is bitter, but it, it's also, like I said, it's smoother tasting. Um, transient artisan ales. Uh, while you're still listening, I'm going to go over some of the beers that they got on tap. Uh, this is as of March 26th. Rainbows and Waterfalls, which is a uh, double IPA. 
Mitch's Bee Trippin', which you talked about. It's a sour wheat with Cara Cara Orange, Meyer Lemon Milk, Sugar Vanilla, and Orange Juice. That sounds good. Poppin' Pastels with Grape. Another sour wheat beer with cherry, blueberry, vanilla, lactose, grape juice. Uh, this one called Obligatory, which is an, an IPA. Blanton's Wake and Cake. Eh, I saw that. I was like, ooh. Imperial Stout aged in Blanton's Bourbon Barrels for 12 months. Wow. Make It Snappy. It's a collaboration with Branch and Bone. It's an oak-fermented Saison. And Stay Crumble. It's an Imperial Cream Stout. Ooh. Imperial Cream Stout aged on caramel, cinnamon, and graham cracker. They got some good sounding beers. I think next time I uh, make my way up to our house in Michigan... I am going to stop by uh, Bridgman, Michigan, and uh, check this beer out. Chill in their tap room. I wonder if it's a brew pub also. I'm hungry. <laughs> we need to go. We need to We need to get vacation at the same time so we can just go to brew pubs in Chicago. Oh, that'd be fun. That we've you know tried on the show. That would be fun. Make a day of it. Uh, beerandfearcast at gmail.com is our email address. Send us your personal spooky and scary spooky spooky and scary stories. Um, if, if you had the chance to change your fate, <laughs> would you? Would you? Uh, if you have a, a paranormal t- story or like some sort of scary, oh uh, no, dude, something spooky happen to you. Uh, send it. Send it our way to our email and um, recommend a beer. Along Please. With it. And what we do is, what we plan to do is tell your story on the show, shout you out, and then try the beer that you recommended in a flight of four different beers and then rank them in the flight. We have three stories. We need one more yep. to be able to do our first episode of Frights and Flights. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. Uh, if you want to follow us on those platforms to uh, keep up to date with our newest episodes, our food is here. Um, and and that's it. Yeah.